0: All right, Jeff. Um, oh, it's my prep. Alright, yep. I'll take a shot from this stack over over there.
1: Jeff, oh, looks like uh, normal checks on that. I love Monday nights playing Squad Leader. Yeah, I just love the game too. It's oh yeah. I mean, there I could do anything I wanted to on Monday nights, but give me Squad Leader. Uh, yep, and I, I like to play because I learn so much history. Oh okay. yeah. So I have learned, I knew quite a bit about World War II, but this really gets you involved at a visceral level. Yeah. Do you want to roll that top, yeah, go ahead. top
0: guy? Yeah, there you go. Oh, okay. He's okay. And,
1: uh, yeah, and I like the uh, camaraderie of the game, and it's... Um, yeah, it's a social, I, I play to get to Very social game, too. yeah. And great stuff, man. Collect all this great stuff. I'll roll in that second guy now. All right.
0: Yeah, I like to play also because I like looking at the boards and the artwork. Oh, yeah. The counters are a little austere, but it's kind of nice and simplistic. It's nice, simple, it's, it's, yeah, after a complicated a kind of, day. It's like an Amish kind of counter. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess it is. And uh, the boards are just beautiful with the levels and the rivers and everything.
1: Yeah. So. Second, second guy. Oh. Okay, he's good. Yeah, very relaxing. I, I like it because, it, you know, after a long day, I can just kick back, chill out, got a friend, great game, I can relax. Yeah. Soothing. It is it's relaxing. It's a great way to unwind. Want to roll that last uh, yeah. squat in there? Yeah, here we go. <coughs> oh, boxcars. This <laughs> game just got so game. I hate this game. I hate this
2: game.
1: Hello, everybody, and welcome once again to another exciting episode of the 2F Squads. This one is not from the land down under... But it is still about the greatest game in the world, Advanced
0: Advanced Squad squad Leader. Leader.
1: We are your hosts, I'm Jeff. I am David. We have been your hosts for 53 episodes. And counting. And we'll probably remain your hosts until you're really sick of us. We're hoping. May have happened a while ago.
0: (laughs) I think we have to just keep Jeff's energy level up.
1: Yeah. Oh, my energy level's good! It's good tonight, baby. Yeah. I can't help it if I'm bipolar. And this is a special episode with... Half half-tracks. tracks. Yeah, today we'll be talking about half track rules, which are really interesting, and some strategies, and not too much about that, though, but uh, mostly about rules and use of these interesting little vehicles.
0: Mm-hmm. And since we uh, told Chaz we were going to do an episode on half tracks, he said, wow, he should probably do something with that in journal number 10. Yeah. And so he said, well, well, he better follow up with us and do that and get it all in writing.
1: Yeah, so, yeah, and, you, you can expect that in journal 10 uh, from MMP sometime before the turn of the century Yeah, and we're glad to take the lead, Chaz And help yeah. you push yeah. that along Yeah, <laughs> that's right. that's right We're going to develop a lot of excitement about this topic So people will be all over you So what's new? Oh, we got, what's this? Oh, well, there are no letters today But look what
0: we have there from issue of Military History Just thought our ah. listeners would like to It's not, like, not
1: book review time yet But let's, let's do it anyway um, Oh, this is great The top ten war books of all time People love lists, and this is a great list I'll bet Actually this you just handed this to me. Uh-huh. So but I'll pretend like, oh yeah, this is a great uh-huh. list. Now
0: listeners, guess in your heads what do you think the top ten list of all war books Yeah,
1: think of that. We'll be. just we we'll, we will pause here, you can listen to some music to or the something. Count We're of three. Dave will serenade okay, you. Okay, some music here. They will serenade you while you're thinking about the top ten. Horrible
2: music.
1: Well, I'm down in the San Antonio. Waiting on that eight o'clock train. This is Marshall Tucker.
0: Uh,
2: Marshall Tucker band.
1: Yeah, the Marshall Tucker Band. Things ain't been
0: quite the same. Okay, you've had long enough to think. <laughs> Jeff can't God. make any more. Thank
1: God. Oh, my God. I used to be a big Marshall Tucker fan. Played all their songs on it, my guitar. Come on. It's I had my good. guitar in college, and I'd be strumming along. Oh, horribly embarrassing. All right. Uh, the top ten war books of all time. One of the things I love about lists is the controversy that they create. The, the People will be shouting and throwing things, no doubt. Uh, you guys in the chat room will be throwing things at each other from, you know, through electrons. So here we go. What do you think the first book is? On the top ten list. Did you look at the list? I did. And were you, I got a, were you I got surprised? A, no, did I was not. Did you get not, a couple right? Yeah, I, well,
0: I got about three quarters of them right. Yeah. Not in the right place, but, you know, in there.
1: We should probably get a drum roll here. Uh, number ten, or is this number one? They're really not in any order here. No, not so, really. Okay, so the Iliad by Homer. Der Iliad. There we go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Der, <laughs> Der Iliad. It's actually in German. It's a German mm-hmm. book. hmm by Das Homer. History of the Peloponnesian War by Thucydides.
0: That one I didn't guess, but hmm, I can yeah. see why. I've I read can, that one. Yeah. I've read them both so
1: far. Yeah. I actually uh, knew somebody that read them in Greek, the original Greek, Whoa. Yeah, Oh. which I guess is much better. That's Greek to me. And um, I'm sorry I didn't read them in Greek because I read them in English and they I was bored. On War by Carl von Clausewitz. I've read bits of this I have not done on war yeah which is really you know it's really more of a as I recall more of a philosophy you and,
0: know oh, I'll jump in here like the philosophy of war the the chatters in the chat room are saying uh bridge too far longest day Stalingrad by beaver I love Stalingrad by beaver um I think those, some of these are not going to be on the list though uh, anything by Stephen Ambrose? Mm, There's too much by Stephen Ambrose to tell. And another listener has said, oh, Campaigns of Napoleon by Chandler? Yeah,
1: that I don't one I don't think know. that's
0: going to make it. And I thought I saw one, that, Art of War, that's going to be on there. Sun Tzu, of course. Oh,
1: yeah, I, I bet that's going to be in here. Uh, War and Peace by Leo Tolstoy. Yes, I have not read that. You know, um, I actually tried to read this a couple of years ago. It's my second time trying to read this.
0: That's right, because I said I was reading Anna Karenina.
1: Yeah, and um, Anna Indefatigable, Eric, <laughs> Anna Karenina, I think is the way it's pronounced. Anyway, I actually went so far as to take a class uh, about this at the library, about War and Peace. Mm-hmm. And they picked a particular translation that was fairly Recent and I didn't like it. I have a hard time reading books that are translated into English. Yeah. Because they just don't sound real. They just don't, it just didn't sound right. Anyway, I got about halfway through it. I may get through it eventually. Not not a lot of colloquialisms. Yeah. Must be actually pronounced colloquialisms. (laughs) Cold, cold, colloquialism. The Red Badge of Courage by Stephen Crane. Sure. Red Badge of Courage, of course. I don't think I've ever read that. I did, but I don't remember much. I was yeah. real young. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's one of those books that they make you read in middle school yes. a lot of times. Yeah. I was young, not it was yeah. young. Uh, the Personal Memoirs of Ulysses S. Grant. Didn't guess that one, but I have heard that is fantastic. Guess who wrote that? <laughs> was it was it's a Grant? It's written by the same guy that's buried in Grant's tomb. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you
0: know the people have said that is a great, great book. Really, surprisingly, he was a horrible president, great general. All great generals do they always make great presidents? Not usually. Uh, no. Yeah. yeah, Eisenhower. Yeah, yeah well, not bad. Warned us of the industrial military complex. Yeah. You know, um, he you was, know, did something for civil rights there. Yeah. Um, you know, country was feel good. You know, he yeah. he, he knew not to get into Vietnam really. Actually, Kennedy thought he was going to and then accelerated it, but when you really look at it, I think he was hesitant. Um, but Grant, great general, not a great president. all. No. Corruption going on underneath him, all kinds of stuff.
1: But but good book, good author. Interesting. What else you got there? Uh, the Face of Battle by John Keegan. Keegan, I've read that one. Really? Mm-hmm. I have, a, I have one of his books, but I haven't got to it yet. It's called... Uh, I don't know. Soldier it's up there on the or, shelf. Or yeah, I can't remember. Um, now, here's one that th- this totally floors me. I've never heard of this one. With the Old Breed by E.B. Sledge. Yes, I have heard of it because
0: people have told me what a great book it is about the Marines.
1: Sledge's remarkable story of his harrowing experiences as a Marine at, at Peleliu and Okinawa stand out because he was part observer, part participant, and part scholar. Perceptive, brutally honest storytelling. People speak old. easily of the horrors of war. Oh, uh, yeah. This sounds very oh, engaging. Mayhem, Mayhem in the Manila chimes in
0: Manila, which I pronounced Manile. <laughs> that's the guy in the Pacific HBO Miniseries. Oh, that's him. And he was oh, featured sledge. in The right. War by Ken Burns, which I saw The War. We didn't finish The Pacific. Remember, we started it in We did we not finish high. it. I don't know why. Because you pooped down on me. You are supposed to call me, and then you, Robin watched it with you, and then I was like, Jeff, we're supposed to watch this, and yeah. like, eh, it's just not so great. It's
1: still available. You want to come over tomorrow and watch oh, it all we, day?
0: <laughs> Actually, I, Laura's working in it.
1: Do you have the day off? HBO's free this week. I, I
0: forgot if I'm I paying Timonen's house tomorrow no, or not, but if I'm not, <laughs> tell the kids to go, Yeah. hey, kids, I'll be back. Yeah. I also saw it in the store. In the box
1: set. Oh, the okay. Box they set probably set have it like your local library, also. Well, okay, but we need to spend more time together doing things other than this. Yeah, uh, Battle Cry of Freedom by James McPherson. McPherson, McPherson's classic stands out as a lucid, beautifully written, balanced account of the Civil War, from economics to politics to social consequences. Now, here, it, are you sitting down? Yeah, can't I, I gotta tell you this. This what? if you can't see me, look on oh, Justin TV. Oh, oh, oh yeah, oh yeah. Okay, <laughs> yes, you are. Well, I thought maybe you were just short. Um, my wife Robin lately has been very, very interested in the Civil War. She's never had any interest in war before or a particular part of history, but she's been watching all kinds of shows on the Civil War, and she's looking for books about the Civil War. Yep, there you go. So maybe I'll start her with that one. Um. You know, and I don't want to push it. Like, I don't want to wreck it. No, don't. Don't suck wreck it. You know, I don't want to Oh, look, honey, I bought you 500 books. Study these. Uh, and then the last one is... We Were Soldiers Once and Young by Lieutenant General Harold Moore and Joseph Galloway. Yep, and that was the Galloway. movie...
0: Galloway. We Were Soldiers. Yeah. About Vietnam, that first battle at the Iodrang Valley. Ooh, right. look at me go. I'm oh, look take. at you. And the listeners chime in on the chat. It's... Uh, of course, they're saying, you want Shelby Foote for the Civil War? For the war. Civil War, he was yeah. You know him. And uh, Mark Morrison says his favorite book is Wake Island by David White and Daniel Murphy. Huh. You don't think of that as being... Uh, it's not a huge thing about the war, but it would be interesting to yeah. see why he likes that. So, Yeah. Is that through all ten, or you got more?
1: I think that's all ten. Um, and then there were... Let's see. There's another little list here because ten just isn't enough. The next top ten war books of all time. This would be like eleven oh, if through we had twenty. Twenty. Okay, run them off. Quick. All Quiet on the Western Front. Yes. right. From Here to mm-hmm. Eternity. No. What? Yeah. Who wrote that? James Jones. I thought it was like fiction. Um. Well, it is. I mean, it's about it's about people coming home from uh, about guys coming home from the war. If if I remember correctly. Okay. And yeah. I, yeah, I, I saw right, the movie right. once years and years ago. The Cain Mutiny by Herman Wouk. Yeah, good movie. I actually didn't know that was about World War II. Yeah, the strawberries. Yeah. They wanted the strawberries. Yeah, would you like some... Uh, I little, marbles, yeah, too. Yeah, some... The yeah. strawberries. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's one of the worst imitations of Humphrey Bogart I've, I've ever been I was looking at of. you, kid. Yeah. Uh, the Civil War, a narrative by Shelby Foote. Okay, there we go. Uh, the Forgotten Soldier by Guy Sager. Hmm, I don't mm, know that no. one. Uh, Once an Eagle by Anton O. uh, Myrer. About the Airborne? Probably. Written in 1968? I don't know. Well, maybe. Once an Eagle, maybe. Keep going. Uh, Goodbye Darkness by William Manchester. Mm. Don't know it. Uh, Eisenhower's Lieutenants by Russell Hmm. uh, Wigley. Wigley, maybe. Um, A World at Arms by Gerhard Weinberg. And Patton by Carlo... Dest, Desti, hmm. D-apostrophe, E-S-T-E. I, yeah, I those, when I say those, those next ten
0: didn't run as familiar as the first ten, yeah. did they?
1: So, interesting. I haven't heard of half of those, so they must be scholarly.
0: Yeah, and uh, Mats is saying, read The Siege of Budapest by Kristen Ungerbrey, which actually, oh, and he does say, I was just going to say, it's going to be a module, and he says, and it's great read. And now that the module is coming out, Oh, it's up for pre-order already. Oh, I gotta get my pre-order um, in. Festung Budapest. Yeah, we should read that book before we start playing those yeah. scenarios. Yeah,
1: that would be good of us. Thanks, mods. Um, and Dirk says that Rick Atkinson series on World War II is great. Now I've gotten halfway through the the first book, which is about the war in North Africa. Oh, follows up with uh, Italy and through. That part, and then is the third book out? I guess the third book is out or he wouldn't be mentioning it. I didn't know. Probably. Yeah. Oh. Well, that's a nice little, instead
0: of letters, do something a little different. Yeah, I like that. Good. Well, Jeffrey,
1: you know what that music means. It's time for What's in the Box? No. You mean
0: Box Art Review? Yes, Jeff. It's Box Art Review. Oh, I'm so happy. All the listeners are happy. Look at them in the chat room.
1: Look they're at all, that. They're all clapping. Yay! It's Box Art Review. Thank goodness, Box Art Review is on. We're saved. We're saved. It's Box Art Review. And today, are you sure that's not
0: too loud in the background? I guess not. It is cause... now. Yeah,
1: you could turn the speakers no, it, down. on is it or not? It's getting louder.
0: Oh, those darn crescendos is that fine
1: I don't know it's hard to tell it's good okay it's time for box art review. and look so what box what, did, what have we got today see that people in the chat room Pegasus Bridge Pegasus Bridge I should pour myself a little brandy sure you do that. Yeah. But first of all, give me your... take a close look, Jeff, at the okay. artwork there. Okay, Pegasus... Now, this is a module that I do not own. That's correct. Yeah. You've not seen the art before. So I... And I'm amazed, actually, now that I'm looking at it. I don't know why I never bought this. I know why. It had something to do with... Uh, well, never, never mind. So yeah, this is interesting. Uh, it's a picture of a German soldier. He's in the foreground. Uh, looking down the road across a bridge and there are some uh, obviously allied soldiers running toward him so uh, interesting depiction here how, how do you uh what do you think of this Dave well it's kind of a dramatic image
0: in the way it is set up with the action what do you think of the brushstroke work.
1: Well, it's kind of interesting, because they want to give a feeling that it's night and perhaps misty. It does kind of a good job. I mean, the whole thing is a bit uh, cartoonish looking. I I don't say that's bad, but it's because I don't like to say anything's bad. Oh, yes, you do. I know you. Uh, Well, not on the air, I don't. (laughs) You know, because the guy obviously knows a lot more about has a lot more talent than I do with drawing. I could never draw this. I could draw stick figures, and you'd never know what they were doing. So, uh, it's a little bit cartoony looking, but I get it. I don't know what the German, what kind of gun the German is holding here. That's either the largest revolver I've ever seen, or it's a flare gun. Not a Luger. Maybe it's a flare gun. Might be a flare gun. Because it is at night,
0: night. There may have been flares. I played them all. I'm sure there were flares. I just don't remember at the
1: moment. Yeah. So uh, now it's interesting that because the German has his face turned away, and that is he obviously wants to remain uh, anonymous. Yes, he didn't with, want to while be he known. Was being
0: posed that for that is correct. Yeah.
1: Um, well, we notice looking
0: at it. I think I agree with you. It looks very a little bit rushed. Um, the artist on this, according to the credits of Pegasus Bridge, this was designed by Tim Vincent, Brian News Yous, and Steve Peterson. And developed by Multiman Publishing. Cover, map, and game art by Kurt Miller. Can that be correct? The cover, the map, and the game art, all made by Kurt Miller. Okay. Counter art, Mark Simonovich. Layout, Mark Simonovich and Multiman Publishing. So, I guess the guy that did the map did the cover? I guess. Is there a signature there? I tr- I try not yep. to worry too much about that stuff. Yep, and so I think it does look a little more amateur than most of the other work that we've seen done. Yeah, and now with the- compositionally, I don't know. He's kind of got the triangle thing going with the figures of the infantry. It looks historically accurate. You have the red beret yeah. of the British commandos, and of course the Pegasus symbol is from the British airborne. Right. And again, you okay. see the bridge there, and and our next work of art this evening, folks, is a bridge too far. Hold it up here for our at-home listeners. A bridge too <gasps> far. Oh, this that's pretty was painted by David Pentland. He had painted some of the other works we saw.
1: So take a look, Jeff, at what you think of a bridge too far. I like this. There's a lot going on here. There's a little, uh, there's some action that's happened in the distance so we can see some burning vehicles, uh, which is exciting looking. Flames leaping from them, uh, very nicely done with smoke billowing up. And uh, as the bridge goes into it, the vanishing point in the distance, we can see uh, other AFVs lined up there. And in the foreground, Allied uh, infantry crouched behind uh, uh, a wall of some kind, and with the grenades out there, and the guy in the beret, and the various uh, camouflage helmet. I love this. I think this is very attractive.
0: That's a great painting, isn't this it? Is a,
1: this is a great painting.
0: I agree with you. Yeah. And compositionally, there's no triangle per se, but the way your eye, when you know, when you look at a work of art, you always start looking on the left hand side. Yeah. And it begins to move your eye across left to right because you read left to right, and so as your eye moves. It picks up the men, the infantry, who are kind of in a little line. There's a little bit of a triangle amongst the men, if you look closely. And then your eye follows them up off the road, and you look down the road, as you said, to the vanishing point. Very good word, Jeff. You look off in the vanishing point into the horizon line, and your eye goes off to the right side. Very comfortable. Hey, what's that with the music? Get those guys off there. Stop it, you moody blues. Go back to the 70s.
1: Ah, that's much better. Ah, that's better. Yeah, this so, this reminds me of a... Um, there's probably a word for it, but... Artwork. Well...
0: <laughs> World it's, War Two. Uh, it's obviously
1: not a landscape, ah. but you know all those... The, the great war paintings from hundreds oh, of years ago where yeah. they have just landscape a lot paint, going yeah. on. It's yeah. like landscape, which... And so I don't know if you need to still follow the triangle when you're doing one of those
0: no. landscape yeah, things. No, it's not too know. busy. Some of those get a little yeah. too busy, like the turners, those painters from yeah. the turn of the century. Right. Yeah, doing these big elaborate... Yeah, it's, I like it. Right. The, I think the colors just go well together with his hues and his tones. Uh, historically accurate to the detail on the paratroopers. Believe me, I've yeah. painted a bunch of them in 15 millimeter. Yeah. And it's a great job. You got your red beret there. It wasn't worn by all the guys. I don't know, they weren't worn by all the commanders either. Um, but some of the guys wore the red beret. Just the just, stylish one. It's cool. Yeah. And again, when you watch the movie *A Bridge Too Far*, uh, you will see all this action portrayed, and it looks a lot like the game. Yeah. That was uh, where the troops, British troops, were up on the high levels, trying to fire as the Germans as they are coming across to take the other end of the bridge at Arnhem. And so, that nice. concludes another episode of Box Art Review.
1: Always a pleasure. Now, uh, we've never played any of these. No, I played them all with Dave Timonen. Yeah, years ago, probably.
0: Probably in those days, when you got a new product, you could get to it pretty quickly. Yeah. And now I'm just swamped with stuff. And I'm swamped with all official product. So it gets hard to get to the Lefranc Terueur and the um, stuff from uh, Texas. Heat of Battle. Well, now right. taking over, but Devils and Stuff taking over. Yeah. With Sam Tyson's
1: great stuff, like the Jungle. Oh, to right, those yeah. We'll to too. Yeah. And we want, to, we want to remind everybody that we're still doing our contest, which... Um, is the Write Funny Lyrics to Songs, Write Funny ASL Lyrics to Songs Contest, wherein you take a, an existing song, or you could write an original song if you wanted to, but that would probably be more difficult. Uh, <clears throat> you could write a symphony orchestra and hire the Mormon Tuberculosis <laughs> Choir if you want to. I don't care. Uh, no, but actually take an existing song, take out the words, put in your own words, that include a lot of ASL references, and send them to us. And we will sing them, play them, or read them, or post them. But in any case, uh, you will get an entry into our contest with some very nice gifts. And maybe you need an example to inspire oh, I you. An, I think an example is a good idea. And these lyrics were written by? Uh, which one do we have here? What song? Run Through the ASL Jungle. Oh, run Through the ASL Jungle with lyrics by Dennis Donovan. i <laughs> the going do- Dave. That was a bit of a nightmare, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> if we lived on a higher floor, uh, I would throw myself out the window. But I live in a basement, so you could throw I don't live yourself, in a basement, but we're in the throw basement. yourself up the stairs. Yeah, I could. Mm. That was very well attempted, though, Dave. Well, I, mean, so, I don't know who that was, that half-squad singer, the, the one of those guest singers we keep getting in. Somebody um, we pulled in off the street, we offered him uh, half a sandwich and... Uh, a place to sleep for a few minutes if he would sing that song and he did no that was a, that was a good effort yeah a little tough sometimes you know not everybody has the right uh, you know exactly the words don't lay out sometimes. yeah try exactly. and make your words
0: fit ladies and yeah. gentlemen when you send these songs <laughs> in so we don't have to rewrite them drastically or
1: cram the lyrics yeah. into the
0: things anyway I'm looking, for, I'm looking forward to uh,
1: our, our contest is ending July 31st I'm looking forward right. to a couple of entries by George M. Cohen. That would really be good. That would be really good. Especially since he's dead. Yeah. It would be quite... I think a lot of people would pay attention to our show. Dave, you know what's interesting? Is that stuff that sneaks up on you sometimes when you least expect it. You know what what I mean? Well, like, what's what's in the box? Whoa, it's time for another What's in the Box. We just have a fun-filled episode this time. What, and what is in the box?
0: What is it? It's
1: this is unopened. Taking my I, uh, teeth it's to always it. one of my favorite things. Uh, what is it, Jeff? It's Action Pack Seven. ASL Action, Action Pack Seven. Pack number Seven from the our friends at Multiman Publishing. And are, are we going to review
0: the box art on this, Jeff?
1: No, I don't think we should bother.
0: No, we won't bother. Taking yeah. the photos and kind of...
1: Yeah, it's just a... Uh,
0: no, no, not worthy of this show. Oh, fire in the garbage can behind you, Jeff.
1: Um, I'll take that bacon. <laughs>
0: box. What's in the box? ASL Action Pack 7. Well, here you go. Why don't you take a look at some boards. Jeff, are they the funny style boards? <laughs> some kind of funny shape boards? Or are they the normal boards? These
1: are normal boards, Dave. They are, yeah. What numbers your board? Uh, I've got 61 and 62, and I got me here in number 60. Wow, they just keep coming out. What's going to happen when they run out of numbers? We're going to all quit buying them. We're going to have too many boards. Oh, you go ahead first. Okay, uh, Jeffrey. Board 61. Uh, Very nice. Got some. It's all terrain. There are no buildings on this board at all. But a lot of elevation going on here. So there's some, uh, uh, looks like there's some gullies, hills, second level hills. Uh, not sure about this area. Grain. It's, it is grain. I'll say, oh, so grain going across up the hills. Yeah, going across several hills. So there that's must be a little terraces different. or something in there. Yeah, I haven't seen that before. Oh, terraces, yes. Probably some terraces. I don't know. Um, now, what about this area? Is that a depression? That is a deep no. It, uh, if
0: it's you're feeling depressed, this is take <laughs> some Prozac. Jeff. Okay, here, let me show it to our. That uh, is a valley, gully. No, it's a valley. So yeah, low. it's a depression. It's a negative one level. I see it. You have it up there. Okay. Okay.
1: Yeah, so you can see that dark green area there. That, those are the valleys. So that's nice, and uh, no. No buildings at all. And just one, two roads kind of meandering through there. So uh, that looks nice. I like that. It's got a couple of little uh, interesting bits over here. I'm not sure how these would be played, but in G5 and G4 and then over. You know, take a look at this area right here, Dave. How that's played? Yeah. so you it's mean in like terms of level? I, I guess okay. I guess it's a gap just there's a gap
0: in the grain to show you which is the level difference. Yeah, I see. Right. Okay, you wouldn't play the gap though because it still co- it's not a. Oh, that little line and then some hedges oh, or d- something. They're delineating, the, yeah, uh, they're delineating the yeah. Uh, they're delineating the crest level. Okay, crests, yep. Okay, wonderful. Yeah, it's not a path. Right. Very pretty board. Wonder who designed this. That's new because well these boards. Looks like Jackson Pollock, maybe. No, it doesn't one. look anything like Jackson Pollock. We okay. have to keep doing box art review for you to yeah, learn I guess your so, artists, yeah, sir. I don't know
1: much. What you want me to do? 62.
0: Uh, well, the the map design was by Don Petros, the great Don Petros, and Tom Repetti. And the map How art How come was never
1: interviewed, Tom
0: I don't know, or yeah. Petros or yeah. Kibler. Or Kibbler. Kibler we probably should grab if we can. Yeah. yeah. But we have a lot of work to do. Yeah. I mean everybody on this
1: whole We need to build project, up our reputation.
0: This whole project we've interviewed Chaz, Pete, Shelling, Resnero Design, and into the playtesters
1: You know, I want to get you know, to the point couple, where we one we, or we, two of them actually. We're yeah. as respected in the ASL world as Oprah is. In the TV world, I want to get to that point because right now we're we're just we're still sort of like the Mori um, Povich. Maybe, yeah, maybe like yeah. Mori, yeah, yeah. I'd like to get, I'd like to raise our, <laughs> I have board
0: level D and sixty is really dense, one huge long hill, gotta like it, a two level, and it is a all covered with a village. So maybe this is what played for Sicily oh, or something, or yes. it looks like some Italian. Hill, uh city on a hill kind yeah, of thingy, and I love you know what I love as much as water fountains in Valor of the Gars. cemeteries, graveyards. Yes, yeah, there's walled graveyards. cemeteries sticking mm-hmm. out on the end here, beautiful, uh, but totally packed, one long hill. Great, I think it's a you know as yeah, much as you attractive. think they have everything covered sometimes. Yeah. They really don't. No. There, there haven't been a lot of hills yeah. covered with buildings like this. Yeah. And a lot of multi hex buildings. Really dense. You know, great for some European kind of situations there. Mm-hmm. And what do you have there, Jeff? Uh,
1: on board 62, we've got another situation with, uh, well, it's just two levels. It looks like there's a valley kind of toward the center okay. with and a playing lake. Playing up the valley the, thing a, here, a pond. A pond in the middle doesn't even cover one whole hex, so it's uh, it's actually quite small. A uh, couple of roads meandering through there, some buildings, uh, just little uh, gatherings of buildings. I'm not sure. You know, as I look at this, I'm not seeing any particular countryside. This could fit a lot of different areas. Yeah, you're then right. And there's some woods, some grain, some shrubs. Pacific. Some shrubbery.
0: I could see that as a Pacific with a lot of jungle, kunai, a depression area. <laughs> Yeah, and some. And notice the buildings are a lot of multi, uh, a lot of uh, several buildings in one hex. It's kind of set up like huts. Yes. So maybe that would be a it nice. It does look specific, huttish. Uh, and then these little uh, interesting grain. Yeah, multi patches in one yeah. section. They look more cultivated. Yeah. But and they're right by the little, like little huts gardens. or buildings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, gotta admit, there's still. Stuff to be done, I suppose, with boards. And the listeners are chiming in uh, with the starter kit boards. They like them a lot. Yeah, I do too. I just got all mine from Alex
1: Key. You got the entire stack, the which is. Big old stack. Which is 1 through.
0: 50 or 52 or 53. Okay. And does not include
1: starter kit it boards? Does, does it it did, Oh, it does.
0: Yeah, it did. I don't know why it did, because um, you already got them in starter kit style. But it, they were there too. So now I got some duplicates for the club. The PAASL, Palatine Air Advanced Squad Leaders Club, if the people don't want to lug their boards with them. But now that they're skinny boards, they're not so hard to lug about, yeah. are they? No, they're not. And a listener's saying the map pack is great. Um, I noticed one guy said he folded them backwards so the, the artwork wouldn't rub on each other and wear off. It wasn't a bad idea, but I still folded mine with the artwork out. That's the way they always come. Yeah. So, And I found when I'm trying to pick mine up out of a stack, my fingers nails kind of bump the artwork and it kind of starts to pull up on the edges that's what i don't like about the starter kit style boards yeah the older ones with the cardboard in the middle but they do fit nicely together of course when you're laying them all out they fit really great into these poster frames yeah with the with the plexiglass and the backing better so i'm sure it's a good investment yeah
1: i'm sure you'll be happy yes so action pack seven it says I don't. You didn't read any of this, did you? No. Go while ahead, I, was, so while I fell asleep, uh, this is yeah. Action Pack Seven with ten new scenarios featuring three stunning new maps, and I think we will agree they're stunning. Yeah,
0: I think they. Well, you know, they actually,
1: I thought they're very attractive. Yeah. Uh, I, I'd say that that's that one you had of the um, yeah, of no the village thing. on the hill is very intriguing. One of the best ones I've seen. The ten scenarios depict actions involving German, Russian, American, British, and Japanese forces in locations from France to Burma. Contains uh, three maps, ten scenarios. It's not a complete product, <laughs> and assumes the buyer owns the oh, Core yeah. Advanced Squad Leader game system. Oh, they didn't even list them anymore. No, it's too hard to list them all. Okay, interesting. So yeah. there's, well, there's
0: let's, yeah,
1: continue. Yeah, but I, I actually like the way they, um, the picture that they put on the back of all the maps together. All right, is uh, is very nice and, and gives you. Uh, Kind of makes me all a flutter thinking, oh, we could actually put them all together and create quite a nice scenario. So I don't know if we'll have to look if there's a scenario in there that uses all three maps at the same time.
0: And you know, I forgot to say that in the uh, Journal 9, that there were, in last episode, I forgot to say this, I believe there are desert games in here. Oh, really? Desert, yeah. There's new desert board scenarios. So if you, you know, are looking for some new desert action, the Journal
1: 9 is the place to go. I suddenly remembered an idea for a comedy bit.
0: Oh, well, tell me later. Okay.
1: Don't tell me on the air? <laughs> tell me about that scenario you have instead. All right,
0: hold on a second. I also gotta, I gotta it had six this in my head. I'm sorry, Journal, journal 9 also had some... Valor of the Guard scenarios. Oh, yeah. Okay. Got it. it. Uh,
1: okay. You want to hear about these scenarios? Yeah. Okay. Um, I got uh, scenario AP69, Uncommon Misery, takes place in Burma, Potsam Baum, Potsang Bam, Burma, uh, May 7th, 1944. I'm sorry. May I interrupt and correct myself? You may.
0: Journal uh, Nine didn't have those desert scenarios. Okay. I think they were in the out of the bunker pack, but I don't promise that to anybody. Okay. I don't have that with me. But I remember in this all oh, this cool stuff I got from Ransky I know I saw three new desert scenarios. Anyway.
1: But, you just got overwhelmed when you got all that I did. stuff. Was, did it, you? It's overwhelming. Did it you is. call Laura and say, "Laura, look"? And did she patiently uh, share in your excitement? Well, she kind of asked about the boards, and I kind of
0: explained that I already had them in a different format. Yeah. And she wasn't too pleased. Well, then why did you buy them again? Yeah.
1: Because <laughs> these are thin. Yeah, because <laughs> these are thin. Now they're all the same color, honey. They all match. It's sort of like uh, <laughs> the movie companies coming out with their different versions. The Blu-ray version, the DVD version, the director's cut version. Extended the version. Extended version. They're getting your money. Um, it's okay. Sorry. We, go ahead. That's why we love you, Dave. Yeah. Uh, Uncommon Misery, AP69. The British against the Japanese. And uh, Japanese have some, uh, this looks fairly simple, uh, five and a half turns. Some Japanese, a couple of, um, with a couple of three-liters, machine guns, some AT guns, and some foxholes, which are fun, against some British. And the British have a couple of tanks here. I can't quite i got to get some better glasses. I can't yes, quite read do. which AFVs have, they have on these. Oh, my gosh. I can't see it. Sherman might. Uh, I don't know. Um, but what they need to do is the British win by amassing uh, victory points, normal victory points, and control some buildings. And this uses board 57 and 62. So 62 comes in this pack, but if you don't have 57, you're out of luck. Sorry. That's Let's why see you if need there's the any. core system. Yeah. Uh, just looking in the SSR just to see if there's anything especially interesting here. No, next. What do mm-hmm. we have? You well, I have
0: Odd Angry Shot, AP68, Australians. And last show was from Down Under. And the. Japanese. Australians have to clear out the Japanese from the entrenchments. I like that. It's a little bit of a different rule. Board 61. I also have 67. Cherry Pie. The British win by controlling greater than 30 buildings. And this is in Sicily in August. And there's Board 60. Yeah, what did I first say when I saw it? Looks like Sicily. Yes, you did. And there it is. I got a picture of it in here with all these buildings going up the hill. So that is definitely a needed. Very Sicilian. A needed board. I suddenly have
1: a taste for spaghetti.
0: And this one's got
1: quite a few counters, but. Yeah, here's a much, much longer scenario, um, much bigger scenario. Sons of Slava takes place in Poland, July 1944. This uses an interesting configuration of Board 61 and Board 2B. Board 2B came with. Uh, uh, Two V was with last... the decade of war yeah, action pack. Right, okay. It's one of them funny looking boards. Yeah, um, seven and a half turns, Germans against the Russians, and uh, I like this because there's some minefield in here, and I like this because I never play minefield, and they're fun, and I'm looking forward to getting some minefield action in here. But um, pretty much it's a it's a um, contest of getting victory points and exiting uh, off the board. The Russians must exit more victory points than the Germans have left. So, seven and a half turns, lots of counters. There's some very good Russian tanks going in here, Uh, ten tanks. Oh, and cavalry, eight cavalry units. Always
0: fun. Mayhem in Manila chimes in from the chat room that he hates minefields.
1: Oh, because yeah. he's always running
0: into them. Yeah, I hate that yeah, too. If he was placing them and watching his enemy hit them crossing the street, he'd love them. Our neighbors have minefields, but they don't bother me. Well, except when your dog. Remember, your dog went into the minefield yeah, and he I lost know. the poor thing. Yeah. I have Cats Cradle AP sixty six, three boards, but it's thirteen fifty seven and sixty, German Russian Cherepovskaya Russia, nineteen forty three Pete Shelling, so could be good. And I have. Uh-oh, B-A-W drop. It has parachutists in the picture, <gasps> AP-65, <65, gasps> Japanese win at game, and by amassing more victory points than the British, each supply counter is worth one victory point to the side, which possesses it, in each hut hex is worth one. And that's board 62. Is that the one we thought had hexes or huts on it? Yes. That is the one. Yeah. And it does have uh, parachutes. Cool. I like paratroops. We will do a show on that. But a lot of people don't like them, but I do. Paradrop. So maybe it's just supplies being dropped in. Yep, yeah, five British parachute counters will enter via airdrop, and uh, and then there's so and so. Then you have to retrieve those. But that would be cool. That would be neat. Yeah, that's really different. Yeah. Who designed that? That is Ian Percy. Haven't heard of him much before.
1: Yeah, I've got... uh, That last one that I read was by Ian Percy also. Now here I've got AP71, Head in the Noose. This is by Chaz Argent. And, um, you know, it's interesting. I'm still getting over the idea that squad leader isn't all just about killing more of the other guy. Yeah. You know, just killing... You you really do have to pay pay attention to the victory conditions. Let me just read the victory conditions. Yeah. (laughs) go, Go ahead. The Germans win a game to end by amassing... Greater or equal to eight victory points. Each building controlled on board 42 is worth a number of victory points equal to the number of road hexes to which the building is adjacent. Mm-hmm. That yeah, it just sounds, you know, I just want to shoot guys. <laughs> You can't, though. I know, because they,
0: I I, they pretty well have to do that. What's funny... Yeah, I know. No offense, Dave Timman, I know you listen to every episode, <laughs> but when Dave reads those, it, you know, seriously, I'll pretty much get that pretty quickly. The Germans win by amassing greater or equal to a, each building. Yeah, it actually 42, didn't sound... Too,
1: that was my second time reading it through. It didn't sound as bad. Equal to the number of road hexes to which
0: the building is adjacent. I really trained myself to look at a, the road, look at the adjacent buildings, and so on, but... If you misread that, yeah, yeah, you're, you're in trouble.
1: Yeah, but this is a nice uh, arrangement of a, a nice array of American versus German. Um, got the the Americans come in with a with a region, reasonable amount of strength. There's very there's no uh, A F Oh yeah, there's one German A F V in here, but uh, the Americans just have some nice big mortars, it's an A T gun. Uh, the Germans have uh, one tank and then otherwise just some uh, troop uh, troop carrier. So, looks pretty easy. And AP-64, well-engineered ambush. Now,
0: this looks good, too. Tom Morin, another scenario designer, and I have heard of him often. I think he's been around for a while. Uh, Not that you're old, Tom. Not at all. Uh, The Axis win by amassing 35 combat victory points. And it's only five turns, board 61. That's the new is that the jungle one Jeff 61 there? Uh sorry, yes. No. The hill one? Straight hills, yeah. The two hills. The two hills with the glade of the grain. No, uh, no buildings. Yeah, and it's because it's oh, it's Tunisia. So they probably have some special rules going there. Uh F.5 is in effect. All grain is scrub prior to set up place of blazing recon hex and you have yeah, it looks like a desert one. You got these British carriers, lots of them, kind of like half tracks. But I don't think we're covering carriers today. We probably should have carriers mm-hmm. and half tracks. Mm-hmm. And foxholes, defense, minefields, thirty minefield factors, <sighs> or thirty six. What you don't like? He doesn't like Charlie. Doesn't like minefields either. No, that was either. Winston. Winston does not Winston like minefields. Winston doesn't like minefields. Yeah, he's a, he's not a minefield dog. Oh, did he know? Um, Fido when Fido went into of your neighbors. Yeah. That's why he doesn't like them. Yeah, and I have the sure Nutcracker AP-63, and this is boards 32 62, 61, 2. It is all set in Russia. The photograph's wide open, December 41, and it's pretty cool, too.
1: So there's only one Japanese scenario, scenario. here, I guess, just this one in Burma.
0: Yeah, I have Russian. Oh, no, I have I have the other two Remember the Japanese with the oh, oh, British oh, oh. and the pair okay. Drop?
1: Okay, so there's three.
0: Yeah, and then the one with the Australians.
1: Okay. And my last one is uh, Guns for St. Barbara. This uses only Board 60, which is your hilly one there. Takes place in St. Barbara, Germany, 24th November, 1944. Oh, this this City Hill one? The is City it one. Germany yep. they're using it? Yep. Hmm. Uh, the American 95th Infantry Division, upon being relieved from its mission at Metz, was tasked with making the first crossing of the Saar River. And then they were ordered to take the village of St. Barbara, located on a strategically important spur overlooking the Sar River. So, uh, obviously, Americans versus Germans. Germans have... Uh, Let's see, they set up probably in the buildings. And then they get some reinforcements entering on turn two along the east. Americans set up the other side and get some, they get a, a troop carrier and a couple of AT guns. I guess they can haul those AT guns with the. Can't tell if that's a half track. No, it's a truck. So yeah, can pull their Truck. AT gun along and tow it along. Yeah, so that looks that that actually looks like a fairly uh, reasonable uh, short scenario, just one board, mm-hmm. six turns. I don't know though, with all those buildings in there, there's going to be a lot of bloody close a, combat, a lot of line of sight yeah. checks, yeah, and a lot of
0: you know worrying about what you see and can't see, but and a lot of close combat because there's not a lot of open terrain there. Now with this packet comes the Errata, you know, and I got to tell you. You don't see a lot of a rat anymore in the journal nine. There wasn't a lot of a rat listed. As at in the all. past. Yeah. In the past, there have been tons with yeah. the old uh, Avalon Hill stuff. So we do give Chaz and Perry and everyone, uh, great, and Brian Yaus a great um, thumbs up. for Thumbs up. For yeah. Keeping their we know they're gone. watching. So there it is. The <laughs> the official. But there is one errata, but it's already in the Only game. Only one, wow. Well, so far. But Think it, of
1: the it, paper they're saving.
0: AP-72, guns for Barbera. 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 bar-bera. <laughs> it's in Russia, so it's B-R-A. It's in Germany. Oh, then it's barbera Bob Wah <laughs> Wah <laughs> And the VC changed the... E-X-C to read? What's the E-X-C? In the victory
1: condition... Oh, the exception. Yeah, the exception. Duh. AFE Dave, must, duh. There must be... A, A-F-E must be in a road hex.
0: No, af and in bypass must be on a road hex side. That's the change. Oh, my cow. No, seriously. That makes a difference.
1: And here's the victory conditions. The Americans win a game... At, we, we should do a show on the most ridiculous victory conditions. Ever. A contest. <laughs> A contest, hey, yeah. right? Funny, victory conditions. Don't start a new contest okay, yet. Okay, yeah, not yet. We Don't, would. hey. I still want him to put a caption to that picture of, um... um did you fall asleep? The guy that's... <laughs> oh, Scott Holst. Scott Holtz. Yeah. Oh, did you post it yet? No, the... I can't find it. I sent it, to, I emailed it to you. Oh. I downloaded <laughs> it from the... There's a way oh, to you download did. it. You yeah. figured out how to... You'll Let's have to show me how. get that posted tonight. We've got to have that on. Yeah. That's so funny. All right. Here's the victory conditions. The Americans win at game end if they have any combination of greater than or equal to two unbroken non-crew, multi-man counters, and or non-recalled a 375 MT with a good order inherent crew in any level 2 hexes on or east of hex row N. Okay. Again. <laughs> excluding <laughs> AFVs that are in bypass that have to be in a road hex. Except exception. Except. You know, you could you, you could almost you could Apex almost. And bypass must be on a road hack side. You could almost write an article on the victory conditions on this. <laughs> you could. So this was this was designed by Chris Olden, and you know what, Chris? You're either very smart or <laughs> a little bit crazy. Or a little bit crazy little bit and bit crazy. cruel.
0: That's it's cruel. It's not that when you sit and look at the board, that's what you do with a partner, opponent. Yeah. You get
1: them out. I know. You read it. You point to it. We never do that. Well, that's because they're easier. Well, victory no, conditions. We're, we're always just, let's play. Come on, we gotta, come on, we got to get going, let's go, got to play.
0: It'd no, we be great if, if we the... took,
1: we, to, we should take a couple of hours and really prepare.
0: <laughs> I do that before you come. I know you do. Um. Yeah, you just sit down with this with your opponent, and you look at the board, and you say, okay, these hexes, this, accepting this, yeah. and if this. And then I, I like to reword the victory conditions. Yes, like, yeah. So, let me get this right. I win... You win automatically if you kill four tanks of yeah. mine. But if you don't do that, I win by taking this road and whatever.
1: So I think you should win automatically if you just kill everybody on <laughs> well, the other you, side.
0: Well, you typically... Well, is, you know, there's there, are there yeah. some where you... Yeah, I guess there's no, some where you don't. there's a whole special rule for that. No, really? Yeah, it's the BBV. You know how all these have a BBV
1: Right. that we never use? Right.
0: Well, look, it's not on here anymore.
1: No, they did in... Um, there were some scenarios where they were including all those. I I think some of the no, desert scenarios. No, all the
0: old... No, 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 no. This is if you lose too many of these opening up points. Like they add up the points for the right. army. Yeah, it's a special rule where you have oh. to track. So if you lose like 60%, you automatically lose. Oh, whether you're the attacker or the defender or whatever. I no, we'll have to look a, that up. Yeah, it's a special rule people BPV. don't like to use, Well, I that's think, what that's what oh, Dirk is
1: Dirk helping us out. And, yeah, Dirk is helping us out. BPG. <laughs> Find power value. No, it's the basic point. I mean, I don't know what it is, oh, yeah. but Dirk will tell us more, yeah,
0: as we go to our next segment. Yep. Yeah. So that was What's in the box. That was a good one. Thanks for bringing that. And since last show, we had nothing but silly interviews with people from down under, and <laughs> and uh, w- what we've been playing lately, and some ridiculous songs, uh, and some silly letters from listeners. We didn't have any good content. No strategy. No strategy. No good knowledge. No teaching. rules. Right? No rules. So let's get to some rules, shall we? What are we going to talk about? Half,
1: Half tracks. Track. Half track. Half track. Half track. So Affleck is looking for a new voice. Right after this you know, break. Let's talk half-tracks. Half-tracks. I don't know what got me on this idea of doing half-tracks, but I thought it would be interesting, and it was. And the book I read was quite fascinating. Tell me about it. Well, it talked about the uh, evolution of the half-track, which came about after the tank. Because, you know, in, in World War One, as they were experimenting with tank warfare and finding out that it didn't work exactly the way they wanted it, to work out. You know, the way they envision it was all these big tanks rolling out and just fighting each other. And they sort of didn't take into account the fact that infantry could very easily run around these tanks and throw stuff inside of them and, and you know, otherwise play mayhem with these seemingly indestructible machines. And so they realized that it was very important to have infantry supporting tanks. To go with those to go machines. With right. Now part of the problem that they had with that is that because of the, the amount of mud and you know terrible terrain conditions that there were, it was very difficult for horses and very difficult for wheeled vehicles to get around. And so the half-track was sort of came up, come up with as a method of being the best of both worlds in that it could provide good transport for infantry, and yet it could work in all kinds of terrain that Wheeled vehicles couldn't handle, and so that—that's basically how it came up. And the uh, the first versions, at least in the United States, had uh, sat about uh, eight eight soldiers, I guess. In the original versions, the M3 or it was the M2, kind of light armor. Um, and then they made larger versions that would hold up to twelve. They put a uh, uh, mounted machine guns in a pulpit. Area where the uh, the squad leader could sit and work the machine gun. They they had originally the had it on a it? skate. Yeah, they called it a pulpit. Did he have to give the sermon from there? I think he held his arms up like this and said, "Look out! <laughs> I'm gonna shoot." Uh, but they had machine gun mounted on a skate, um, a skate rail that went around the edge uh, for a while. But that didn't work out too well. <clears throat> so they mounted it on a pulpit, and then they experimented with a lot of different. Uh, you know lighter artillery mortars and things like that 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 could also be mounted on the half track but you know essentially it was a very good way for um, soldiers to travel along fast enough to keep up with armored vehicles um, get through all the train but it also contained their kit so that they had a place they had stuff to sleep with you know because an army is more than just guys fighting it's guys also that need to sleep and eat and rest and all that stuff so the half track could carry all that stuff also provided some some protection for them. Not always the greatest. The armor wasn't always the thickest, yeah. you know. Um, so that was a little bit of a problem, and and there was a lot of controversy about them. You know, some generals just thought, nah, that that's you know, they're death traps. We're not going to do it. And others were contrary and said, no, these are great. They're, they're going to get the guys out there. They're going to provide some protection, and we can see that in squad leader. They do provide some protection. I'd rather have my Infantry and a half-track going along get a plus-two, then running out in the open ground get a neg-one. Neg-two. Or neg-two. And, uh, yeah, plus-two uh, buttoned uh, are crew exposed. And they can be buttoned up and invulnerable to small arms fire. That's right. Um, so there And there's some disadvantages, you know, to that. Well, we're, we're going to go over some of those. But, you know, that's basically the history of the half-track. It's not the whole history. That's like the 10-second history. So, what rules are we going over? All of them.
0: I, I have all of them for the half track. Well, I, I have my part for the half track section. So. I
1: found a great, we'll see what, fabulous what it cheat sheet on the internet. Should I start with mine we'll and then out we'll who see? It is. Yeah.
0: Um, well, I had uh, written down that a half track is unique. I'm not going to do it in a uh, quiz show format this week, this month, this show. Uh, half track is unique in that passengers can be buttoned up or crew exposed. What's unique about that is it's passengers, not a crew.
1: Right. right? Because
0: in a tank, the crew can be buttoned up or crew exposed. And buttoned up makes them uh, invulnerable to small arms fire. Uh, Crew exposed when you're sticking your head out or sitting halfway up looking over the walls of the half track. Right. Um, Passengers buttoned up cannot be attacked separately from their vehicle. So when they're buttoned up, you have to attack the vehicle to try and get them, and that's where a lot of that vulnerability comes in, which we'll talk about that maybe later. Uh, exception would be a 7.211, which I didn't write down. You can look that up at home, listeners. Oh, another exception: higher elevation, an elevation greater than the range to hit the half track. Okay. hmm You would get the plus two for being crew exposed, but a neg one. Reach full level greater than the range, and it's one of those complicated sentences, like some of those um, victory conditions you were reading.
1: Yeah, but But
0: that's a good one. If you're greater, yeah. So if you're up in a high level building and shooting at the half track and it's adjacent to you, you can shoot. You can kind of see some of the guys in the vehicle, so they don't get as much protection. And I made a little chart. Uh, If you're at first level and they're two hexes away, you don't get any bonus. And if you are at first level and they're one hex away, okay, you still have to hit them at the plus two. Yeah. Or you can't see them if they're buttoned up. Now, if you're at a second level and they're one hex away, their terrain or their TEM now counts as a plus one. And if if you're at a second level high now, ground first second and they're two hexes away again you get no effect no difference but if you get up to the third level and you're shooting down at one hex away so they're right next to the building you're at third it's plus zero you get to shoot right down into the half track as it goes down the road next to you right third level at two hexes away you're plus one so really to get that effect you got to be within one or two hexes, depending on how high up in the building you are. Right. And if you can if you can shoot at them, of course, they can shoot back at you, which I think I always forget about. Your passengers, someone goes, oh, I can see the passengers because you're too close to the building and I'm high up, and they can shoot in. You can shoot back. That's right. It's hard to remember that when you're shocked, going, oh, my gosh, he's hitting my guys and they're in the half track, and I thought they had cover, and they don't. And Yeah. Right. So. But buttoned-up passengers may not fire. Buttoned up, well, other than that, uh, if you can shoot them, they can shoot you back, and uh, that's a oh, the even plus the two up, applies. Right. Yeah, that's right. Other right. than that, um, I wrote an up arrow, buttoned up, cannot attack, spot, yeah, other than that, attack back. They can attack back. Yeah. Yeah, I meant to put ditto marks. See, other than that, they can they, they can shoot you can, they can shoot you, you can shoot okay. them. Even buttoned up. Now okay. other than that it's even buttoned up, but otherwise buttoned up cannot attack, spot, do close combat, or even provide a personnel escort in close combat. So when you you know, advance into close combat in an armor fighting vehicle and normally if there's a squad around that provides the negatives to your attack against them or positives, worse for you. That doesn't count if they're buttoned up they don't count for that in close combat either Mm -hmm. and i have the half-track passenger crew are considered crew exposed always unless broken shocked pinned or under a button up counter so apparently you don't have to mark them crew exposed we assume they are crew exposed unless they are one of those conditions and crew exposed of course gets the plus two now if the crew exposed crew gets stunned, now that happens when you get shot at, you get stunned, um, they button up, and if a crew exposed passenger crew or crew fail a morale check, they break, and they go button up. So you've got them riding with the plus two, crew exposed, they fail a morale check, they're broken, they don't get out of the vehicle. To route or anything yet, they simply break and they button up inside the vehicle. They duck down behind the walls. Right. Think of it that way. Passengers with a crew exposed status is done like a crew, treated as a crew for fire. Only a movement phase, advance phase. But okay, now placing the status is done like a crew. So you can only become crew exposed, or you can button up and in the movement phase or the advanced phase, so not in prep, but you can't place it and remove it in the same phase. So if I start moving down the road, oh, I'm going to crew expose because I want to be able to see everybody. I mean, I want to be able to get a faster movement on the road. Right. So I'm crew exposed, I'm going along, and then suddenly, end of the movement, final fire, or during the movement, oh, they're shooting at me as I go down the road. I'm going to button up now, no, you can't. You pick one or the other. You don't get to do I'm up, I'm down, I'm up, I'm down. And um, you could though in the advance phase. That's what most people might do: crew expose in the movement, and then duck down under button up in the advance phase. But you can't do it when someone calls a shot at you. Oh, I'm going right. to shoot at you because right. you're crew exposed. So you start the turn crew exposed on the road, and then they and shoot they at you. Shoot you. Oh wait, I'm, I'm going to button up first. Yeah. No, no, I get to shoot at you before you button right.
1: Up. But that's interesting because it's the buttoned up really applies to the passengers, not to the driver, the, the crew. Right? It's the it's the passengers that button up. I, I don't think know why they, they have to button up. I, they have why to, passengers? Oh. Crew exposing also crew exposes the 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 crew is right. t- it's done with the crew Yeah, yeah they just do it together because it's too
0: hard to put they don't have counters to say passengers crew exposed yeah. crew not exposed okay so
1: it's i guess it's the same done. way in the tank when, the, when a tank goes crew exposed it's really only one guy probably like sticking his head up yeah that's a lot different yeah, okay. but you got okay. these
0: passengers in one part and the crew it could get really confusing mm-hmm. so you just button up and crew exposed together
1: yeah. don't do it separately Oh, um, by the way, Mark Morrison is leaving the chat room. He's got to be at work in seven hours. Oh, and thank you very much, Mark, for joining us. Thanks a lot, and sleep tight. Yes, we're indeed. glad we could tuck you in.
0: And for passenger fire, oh, you use the when you button up, you use the counters without the turret on them. They have the special counters that show a little like a box. With dude's hanging out of it. You don't put on yeah. the turret counter. Right. And passenger fire. So your men are, are crew exposed, they're going down a road in this half track with a plus two. It's kinda like being in a wooden building and they can shoot. Well it's halved for moving fire, bounding, or it's half in the advanced fire phase. But it's not half for mounted fire. So there's a thing with a um, truck, you'd be halved for being on a truck and half again for moving not true with the half track just half for motion moving or bounding fire and um, the cool thing with the support weapon of these things are that you can remove the support weapon when you're abandoning a vehicle so you can stop the vehicle the, the passengers and crew can abandon it they jump out they leave it alone they they leave it and they can take the weapon with them if it's, and it's in its dismantled form if possible.
1: Yeah, if there is one.
0: Machine gun ATR. Mm-hmm. The machine gun has the same or less firepower as it did in the vehicle. So if you have a, let's say you're a German and the firepower, or you whatever, if the firepower is a three and your army doesn't have a three firepower machine gun, only has a two, then when you take it out of the vehicle, it has a two firepower. Yeah. Um, you can re-enter now and put that weapon back in. So the half-track can move into position. Guys can jump out, take the support weapon with them, and then do some fighting. And if they have to exit the board quickly, you put them back on the vehicle with the weapon and put it back as per rule 5.42.
1: Now, it's important, I think, to mention this more than once, that um, some of these rules may not apply depending on the half track that's being used. So it's really important to read the Chapter H rules about each of of these half tracks because different ones have different capabilities in them. Right. Yeah, and so, I didn't look so, at those at all. Before for instance, this, so. um, just going back, back on at, what you're saying yeah, on, on one of the German ones. I'm gonna get get the light going. Um, okay, the German SPW 250 mm-hmm. uh, has an in- inherent crew and a 247 half squad as a passenger. Has a seven firepower coaxial machine gun, removable as a light machine gun and a three-firepower anti-aircraft machine gun removable by the crew or passenger as a dismantled heavy machine gun. So in that case, it's not going that down. That one's a heavy. Yeah.
0: Actually, I do have one note I found in the rules section. It said some weapons can be removed by passengers. Right. The German 251-slash-SMG um, would be different. And I wrote a little note. See notes, I guess, for each vehicle. Yeah,
1: so that's what you're talking
0: about, the right. specifications.
1: And when when these are scrounged, uh they're only scrounged as light machine guns. Both of these. So, what's the it, difference? What's scrounging? Uh scrounging would be well, is that re Oh no, I'm thinking of recovered by um by non-qualified, by you know, by enemy.
0: Oh, scrounging is when a different unit, not I the crew so, yeah. passengers goes into it goes into and it. looks around for weapons. Right.
1: Yeah. In that case, it only counts as an LMG. So each of them, and and this particular cheat sheet that I'm using here, um, lists a bunch of these. So it's really interesting. For the, the M3, the American M3, the main armament is removable as a medium machine gun. Medium? Okay. Yeah, yeah I know uh, some of those American ones are really good. Some have a heavy yeah. 50 cal in them, too. Yes. Uh, the M3A1 has a removable um, latest model bazooka. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, some have uh, yeah, anti-tank weapons,
0: right. like that, LATWs. Right. And they're all listed on that sheet? Yes. You think? Yep. Well, carriers, um, half-track weapons may... Now, here's about fire grouping these things, and this gets really tricky here. Um, the carriers or the half-tracks, the weapons may be fired... Uh, with a fire group, but they must be crew exposed and a non-ordnance weapon, of course, not the kind you roll to hit a firepower weapon. right. Then you can combine that with a fire group with others or infantry cavalry um, whereas a carrier half track or passengers passengers and weapons may fire group with other passengers and weapons that are not infantry cavalry. So, you could put a couple of ha- pa- uh, passengers in different half tracks together and fire group them all up. So, you could pull this, you know, three of these vehicles up together and fire the weapon and the men, all crew
1: exposed, at the same target as a fire group. Right. You could even have, uh, let's say you've got a, a squad in one building, then across the street, another squad in a building. You could pull up the half track to the road and create a fire group straight across. Oh, from the two buildings and down the road.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's where you can combine with others, their infantry. Right. Yeah. So there's... Now, leaders have some bizarre rules, I thought, when I read the rules. Passenger leader may direct fire if their crew exposed. That's fine. And direct F-6. What did I mean by that? Oh, FG. <laughs>
1: oh, fire group. Leaders
0: may direct fire group of crew exposed and direct a... a f- oh, they can direct the fire from their own vehicle, of course, if they're crew exposed. Yeah. Then they can direct a fire group, but not of other units in the hex, if it moved that phase. So if the vehicle moved that phase... He cannot direct he it. He cannot direct it. Otherwise, the passenger leader, leader in a half-track... Standing up, crew exposed, may direct an overrun, mm-hmm. you know, and or help in close combat, right? And he may direct in which other passengers take part for those. Um, so if a close combat, other passengers are taking part, he can do it. But he can't. But not the half track alone. He may not direct the half track by itself. So he's got to be directing a passenger group in the overrun or in the close combat. So he's not really a vehicle leader is what that's saying, right? He's not a vehicle right. leader. He can't that's direct right. the half-track by itself. He's yeah. an infantry leader, so he's right. going to do the infantry. Now, an armor leader may direct the passengers and add his negative to them only if they fire a group with the half-track's non ordnance weapon. So if it's a machine gun on the half-track, yeah. then the armor leader may direct the passengers if they go with that machine gun, now that to me is really stinking tricky to remember. It's very. The armor leader can go with the passengers yeah. only if they fire the machine gun. I'm like, I yeah, just say he can't. You yeah. know, just say he's an armor leader and forget it. not yeah. The infantry leader, but but there is a case when he may direct that firepower.
1: And I guess it makes sense, but it seems like you know well, just an extra okay, because, bit of minutia
0: because. They're firing that machine gun from the vehicle, and he's the armor leader. And he's an armor leader.
1: Okay. So they argued about that one. I can tell you. (laughs) Oh, online. No chat. No, when they were writing that rule. Oh, I think they argued about it. (laughs) Yeah. Somebody said, "Oh, that's too that's ridiculous." And then wrapping mine up, and then uh, I have um, a
0: rally or a task check or morale check on the leader. uh, Affects the same. The passengers in the same vehicle he's in, so if there's a you know task check morale check, um, that he, he he can affect his, pa- his own passengers. Yeah. And now if a, if he's crew exposed, he affects others. Again, if it hasn't moved, I think this is the leader loss task check and the leader loss mm-hmm. morale check mm-hmm. that I'm talking about. So the leader's killed. Of course, the passengers in that vehicle see that. People on the ground, infantry in the same hex can see it also. Only if he hasn't moved that turn, so it's very apparent. Ah, right. apparent. Okay. The leader modifiers only come in if he, if that vehicle's been sitting there, for yeah. them that turn. Whereas a leader on the ground, so a leader standing on the ground next to a half track, can affect the morale check of a half track. Again, if he's not, if not moving, if the half the track's not moving, uh, and even if it's buttoned up, and that struck me as interesting. So hmm. the half track passengers are buttoned up in there. The whole hex gets hit with something that causes morale checks. The leader on the ground takes it. He makes it. His squad on the ground breaks. The guys buttoned up must hear him screaming, "Hey, hang on, everybody! Yeah. You know I'm out here and you're in there." And so they can use that leadership modifier. Hmm. And then if a passenger leader breaks or killed, it affects only the passengers in the same vehicle. Right. So if there's two vehicles then the other passengers are not affected by that leader breaking or being killed. There's no leader loss in morale Yeah, I guess not. And then if you're buttoned up in there, the passengers are DM if they just got shot at, and then the rally phase comes. They stay in the vehicle, right, apparently from what I'm understanding, and they take the DM off. Well, if they get hit with an ordinance hit... Or anything that can possibly inflict a normal morale check, like the normal rule is, right? You shoot at a building, you can inflict a normal morale check on a target. Even if they're buttoned up, you treat them as crew exposed for that purpose. So they're buttoned up and vulnerable to fire. Right. Right? Small arms fire. Right. Yet, I take a 21-shot firepower with infantry on them. Yeah. Yeah. If I can possibly inflict a normal morale check, when their crew exposed, they count as being put under DM still. So so it's worthwhile right, okay. to shoot at them when they're buttoned up. Don't think, oh, they're invulnerable to small arms fire. Yeah, you're not going to break them. I mean, you're not going to make them um, casually reduce because of getting hit again when they're broken and failing a morale check. But you can DM you them. Can, and if you that's can important, DM. Okay, lay the fire onto that half track. Yeah. Or an ordnance hit. Yeah. yeah. And that's all I have, Jeff. What else do you see there?
1: Well, I'm working off this uh, cheat sheet. I think there are a few <laughs> things on here we haven't covered. Um, and if we did, then, it's, then we're covering them again. But um, for abandoning, a crew can abandon a half-track by expending all the movement factors. Um, but the vehicle may not have been moved or fired. And they are then considered infantry and subject to first-fire non-assault movement.
0: Yeah, we didn't cover that. what it costs to yeah. Um, yeah, abandon, what that actually means. Right. So the
1: whole movement factors, place them underneath the vehicle, right? Right. Um, now, th- now, this part, there was a little bit of confusion for me on this part, uh, which is about loading. Okay. So I'll read this. Half-track must be stopped, uh, may not move in the movement phase prior to loading that makes sense correct they're going to load it's got to start off in that phase having you know it stopped cost one movement factor to board mm-hmm. only during the movement phase not during advance phase plus a quarter of the half track's movement points correct so if the half
0: track has 16 movement factors it's sitting still in the hex at the start of the movement phase is what yeah. you're saying, right? hmm The infantry board it, it costs the infantry one. That is 25% of their move of four, right? Right. And it also costs, then, the vehicle 25%. So the vehicle has spent four, four movement movement points. Okay. Right. That's a real standard loading, unloading thing. It's real important that players understand that. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, don't forget that or you're you'll be driving too far, farther than you should be able to. Unloading costs a quarter movement point for the half track and one movement factor for the unit. So that's just the reverse of what Mm -hmm. we just said. Correct. um, Considered to have spent one movement factor for every one quarter movement point spent by half track.
0: Yeah, so if the half track then moves. So it's already the men have loaded, the half track spent four movement points. It has let's say sixteen. Yeah. Then it moves down a road. It's already used four. So it goes five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Eight hexes down the road. Let's go seven hexes down the road. Yeah. One to stop. Eight. The vehicle has used the four to load and eight to move and stop. That's how many? Twelve. How much does it have left?
1: A quarter left,
0: four. Now the men can unload at 25%. And how much movement points have the men's? Do they have any move left after that? Uh, The vehicle used all its move. Do the men have any move left?
1: I would say no. No,
0: because they're prorating it.
1: It's okay. So they can load,
0: move, and unload all well, in one turn. Yeah, I didn't double check those rules, but I think you can. That's
1: that's what it sounds like. Okay.
0: Yeah, but they spent all their move, so they unloaded and put
1: under the vehicle, and they can still advance later into that house. Okay. Now they can leave the half track, uh, leave a half track that fired earlier in that turn, but they can't leave the half track's location in that phase.
0: Probably correct. Yeah. I'm not sure what that means. So, oh, it prep fired. Right. But how can they leave... See, yeah, I, I remember like looking at that. How can they leave it when it prep fired?
1: Because well, it the can't half, move. the half-track prep fired. Oh, the men didn't. Then the men didn't. Oh, so they can...
0: So then in the So movement, they can leave. Unload... Run into the woods and then advance into the next woods. Yeah, sure. but they can't, okay.
1: so they have to stay in the half tracks hex. Oh,
0: okay. It's saying, okay, they can unload half track.
1: So if you're gonna prep fire half track, those guys can get out, but they can't go anywhere outside okay. that hex. Oh, see, that's tricky. I would just yeah. say if
0: it preps, well, it's probably a better rule. Yeah, fire the little machine gun, men hop out. Yeah, then the men advance. And okay. you know,
1: and they're gonna, it's gonna be risky because they get uh, first fire non assault movement applies for loading and unloading. Okay. Um, riders. Now, this is interesting. Half track can have a rider. One single man oh. counter, and it's two portage points.
0: <laughs> so I guess in he's the si- front sitting of on the, hood. the
1: hood. Yeah. Whereas normally, well, half tracks. there's
0: hanging on the back bumper, hanging onto the back side. Yeah, maybe.
1: On a skateboard. <laughs> Being
0: towed with, those, with a rope on <laughs> yeah. a skateboard. Yeah. No, I like it. Yeah. You, you can have a. Wow. Okay. Huh. And I didn't look at the. How many points they can hold and all that,
1: you know? Um, I th- well, it's and all it's that. gonna Yeah, it's going to vary from half track to half track. I think the yeah. M twos don't carry as much as the M threes. Like and, fifteen or something, right? Or and a, and a squad counts as 10, ten portage points. A half squad is five. Yeah, and, and you and want that
0: leader and that LMG to go with them.
1: Oh yeah, but there's no room with fifteen. Um, so if he's a passenger, well, if a single man I'm sorry, counter. If he's a writer. A single, yeah. If he's a rider, you can only put one. But if he's a passenger, you can get four single man counters. Correct. Because portage points. They equal a half squad. They sit on each other's laps. Oh, I guess. there's zero portage points. Zero. Uh, there's zero portage points. Yeah.
0: Okay, so I could put in my full squad and a half for fifteen, throw in four liters. Can I throw in machine guns? Do you know? Is that chart say that? Doesn't. Say Okay. So I wouldn't think so. Well, portage points weren't in the rules I, when I looked yeah. at half tracks, unless I assigned it to you, then yeah. it should be on
1: that chart anyway. But go ahead. Okay. Um, not sure if we covered this. Passengers may remain in the half track even if broken, even if enemy units are adjacent in the same hex or vehicle is moving towards an enemy unit. Say it again. Passengers may remain in a half-track even if broken. Yes. Even if the enemy units are, if there are enemy units adjacent,
0: Mm -hmm. or
1: in the same hex, or if the vehicle is moving toward an enemy unit. So this is the one case where you can be broken and move toward enemy units. Yes, and you got it. Yeah, that's really important um, because you're gonna. When I remember playing half-tracks,
0: I was looking for ways. Well, do these guys bail out? Do they? They're broken. They have to route. Do they leave the vehicle and run away? No, they can stay in it. They They can can stay 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 adjacent, and they can move toward enemy, trying to get to safety. I would guess,
1: and they can route under the vehicle. Yeah, that's considered route terrain. The
0: route is straight under, right? It's a one move beneath the vehicle. If they want,
1: they don't have to. If they want, that's right. Unless they do have to, though, if the inherent crew is eliminated, breaks, or abandons the vehicle. Then the broken passengers must route beneath the vehicle.
0: Okay, so they got guys. So if the crew gets out, they got to get out. Okay, that's kind of like the rule of letting them making them button up or crew exposed together.
1: Yeah. So right. if the
0: crew gets out, it has to be together because there's no way to mark it. Right.
1: Well, I don't know, but that okay. Yeah, I got it. Okay, let's just go through uh, combat. <clears throat> okay, for passengers. Firepower is not halved for mounted fire for armored half tracks. It is halved for bounding first fire. Bounding fire, uh, bounding first fire. Okay, so firepower is not halved for mount as mounted fire in armored half tracks.
0: Correct. I covered I did cover that yeah, for okay. the firepower.
1: Okay. Um, passengers can only use the light machine guns, piats, and thrown um, demolition charges. While they're mounted in there? Yeah.
0: Okay. They can't use flamethrowers, maybe, is what it's saying? Uh,
1: right. They cannot use... Uh, passengers, riders, and crews may not recover support weapons not already in their half-track, but they may transfer support weapons between each other as much as they want. Yeah. Otherwise, support weapons must be recovered by infantry and loaded as infantry loads.
0: Yeah, That's, they can't pick it up. They can't reach yeah. over the walls of the half-track down to... Eight feet and pick up a weapon on the ground inside right. the vehicle.
1: That's right. That's pretty much it on this chart, uh, except for the various vehicle notes.
0: Okay. So Let's. Um, do you have the terrain chart with you, sir? I do. What are the movement points for the half track to move through?
1: Well, an open uh, ground. Let's
0: play quiz show. You give me open ground. You give me a terrain. I'll tell you. See if I'm right.
1: Okay. Open ground.
0: One. Like a tank. Yeah. On a road. One unless crooks bows half. Right.
1: Okay. Uh, Grain. Um, One. I love that too because there's nothing I hate more than trying to run my squads through grain. It's so annoying. One and a half. Yeah, one and a half. (laughs) I just hate that, and it's so slow. Yes, there's so many times when I think, man, I just wish I had a half track. (laughs) Um, Orchard. Orchard view one. Yes, unless there's a road through it. A road through through it, it, and then they can move it to half road rate. How about brush?
0: Brush is going to cost. Let's see. I'm going to. Is
1: it the same as a tank still? Uh, You know, it's kind of like light shrew. Two is correct. Okay. Yeah. But when we get to stuff like um, marsh, not applicable. Right.
0: Okay. Don't go in the marsh. Can't go in the marsh. Just get bogged to hell. You'll get just drowned.
1: Yep. Bocage.
0: Oh, let's see. We're playing all the Bocage now. Yeah. The answer is no. That's right.
1: But yes. It's too too big. It's too much.
0: Yeah, they have wheels in the front of them, so how are they going
1: to plow through that? Right. They need treads in the front, and they don't have them. How about a minefield? Yes, they can. (laughs) Yes, they can. Because, yes, they can. Yep. Regular cost of terrain to go through a minefield. Yep. Um, Wire. I would say yes. There's a check to bog or a check to clear the wire. There is a... There's a bog check. It's actually four movement points. Oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah. And the cost of terrain. Oh, okay. Didn't know that. And then you take a bog check. Okay. Thanks. So stay away from the wire. Um, A wreck. How do they handle a wreck? Oh,
0: that's just like two if it's on a road or one in open ground. That's right.
1: Um, A gully. (sighs) Yes, it can go in a gully. Four? Uh, three. Okay, three. So apparently it's harder to do a wire than it is a gully, because the, uh, the wire was four, and included a bog check. But a gully, there's no bog check for a gully, so no. they can okay. do three plus cost of terrain. And double coming mm-hmm. out of the gully, like um,
0: everything else. That's
1: normal for a gully, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Uh, how about a stream? That's going to have a bog check exiting, but not entering. Is that correct? You, does it say... Uh, it says it's three, and it's plus depend- the cost of terrain, and then yeah. uh, requires a bog die roll to exit yes. via the non-depression Yes, backside. and it would depend if it's yeah.
0: flooded or dry
1: stream or whatever. Yeah, right. Uh, s- how about a stream? We just did a stream, didn't we? No. Oh, we did a stream. Uh, stream woods. Oh. Yeah, so stream slash woods. Okay. Yeah, there are those combo terrain hexes.
0: No, you haven't. Yeah. Uh, you add up both terrain.
1: It's, um, let's see, it's... It's the woods and the stream. Minimum move required. Okay. And then four if it's in the stream. Okay, oh, if, you, it's oh, yeah, minimum if you're driving down the stream yeah.
0: from stream to stream hex right it's along four. the water, it's four. But if you're going through the woods into the stream, it's a minimum move. Minimum move. It's crazy.
1: And then there's a stream brush. I'll skip that one. Okay. I agree. Some of these <laughs> get a little I mean you'll But it's you'll, nice to have it on the chart there. Yeah, I mean the fact is there are about probably about fifty different uh, different types of terrain that they cover in this we have covered the main ones. Yeah. Hill. Right. Is a hill you know, normal? Yeah. How about this tower? Can't go up a tower. You can't, can't go up in the tower with a with a half-track. Probably if the general came by and said, I want you to get that half-track up into that tower right now. Do you know the Vietnamese, oh, the North Vietnamese would have disassembled the darn thing and got it up they there? They probably would have gotten it yeah. up there, yeah. Uh, let's see if there's just anything. Irrigation ditch. Yeah. Cactus patch. Cactus patch. Cactus patch. Didn't know it's going to cost cactus. two. That's right. Yes. No, it's three, sorry. No, okay. Yeah, sorry. That's for desert terrain. Two for terrain. a vineyard, because they have to go a Two. little bit slow, because yeah, they, they want to pick
0: t- the grapes. Yeah, vineyards are tougher. No, they're, they're, they're a little tighter uh, grown than an orchard,
1: yeah. Actually, a cactus hedge, maybe I misread that. It's a. same as a wall. Oh, okay, cactus hedge, okay. Yeah, cactus hedge. Oh, are I saw. and then there's a cactus patch. Yes. So, anyway, yeah, there's a lot of... There's a lot of other, That's why it's good to keep these charts handy. There you go. And I'm sure those are from... Can I see them? They very well might be cabbage Yeah, they it are. It kind of looks like his. They are.
0: But they're very wordy. But it's all in one spot yeah. for you. Yeah. You don't have to maybe flip, be flipping through the rule book a lot to come right. across those. So let's talk some strategy, Jeff. What, what's the use of having a half-track to, to finish up here before our last interview?
1: Well, I would say... Um, The most obvious thing is that it's a great way to transport infantry
0: yes quickly quickly but is it all uh people listening in the chat room go ahead and give us your tactical tips yeah is it always
1: safe well it it's a balance i mean they're they're certainly not invulnerable to in fact they're vulnerable to all kinds of Incoming. you know, handy tank and all kinds of incoming fire. So yeah, they're
0: really exceptionally vulnerable to mortars because they're open top. Right. So you look at that uh, OBA to hit chart used for mortars. It's negative for open top, negative for small armor. So very, very vulnerable to mortars, folks. So use your mortars to knock out your enemy half tracks. Yeah. Um, if, and when you get hit with direct fire from a tank, and it's a burning
1: wreck, what happens to the to the passengers? Everybody's clothes get burnt off and they run home. <laughs> because they don't want to be seen yeah. naked yeah. running around the battlefield.
0: Yeah, they're toasted. So yeah. I, I mean, you need I'm to be fearful. careful. Yeah, if yeah. my enemy has uh, anti-tank guns, I'm really fearful of moving those tanks yeah. around. I mean, the half-tracks around out there with guys in them. You're like, oh, you know, if you can draw the fire and then shoot across the open area and those things, they're very, very good for moving. They're great against machine guns. Can machine guns take out a half-track, though? Uh, yes. They can. Yeah, remember in the uh, with the chart, there's an MG section. It's like a four or less. So right. if you have an armor of four, one, the enemy needs a three or less to kill you. But I've I've seen it happen, and I've killed opponent um, half-tracks with machine guns. Mm-hmm. Of course, the zero armor is going to be even worse. Yeah. But small arms, infantry fire, you're going to
1: run anywhere you want yeah. and not get shot. Like you said, don't have to take that NAG-2 open ground stuff. You know, for the scenario that we're playing now, the real advantage of the half track was being able to transport those troops up close. But I, I, I should have unloaded the half tracks and pulled them back. Did I, I should have, kill I should, a
0: half track with guys? You in did, it?
1: yeah. Oh, I did. Yeah, I was lingering, <laughs> and I should have t- put them out there and and then brought it back. But uh, I was I was pushing too fast. Oh, but you actually, unloaded right the guys the before they. got... I didn't kill anyone. You didn't kill anybody I didn't in the half track. No, the but you, but you blew up. The half track. Yeah. But I
0: had Panzerfausts, right? Right. The German. Right. Yeah. Um, so, and I was getting. Oh, no, too I, had, close. I had bazookas.
1: I'm the American bazookas. Yeah. Right.
0: Right. You can't get them up anywhere close to Panzerfaust, no. bazookas, or any of that. They just can't withstand it whatsoever. Right. So, you're using your half tracks in desperation moves. You're going to use them to move along and uh, overrun people in the open ground, maybe. Right. Just like people do with trucks probably isn't kosher, it's not, you know, it's kind of a skanky move, but they wouldn't normally do that in real battle because the vehicle's valuable. And right. keep them back to transport troops again. But you can use them to overrun in the open easier. Um, you can use them to do that vehicle vi- bypass, bypass freeze. Bypass freeze, yep. But the problem is, I learned this with Bob, that the negatives, the enemy to close combat reaction fire, get all those negs for open-topped and stuff. So they are very vulnerable for that. Mm. So they shouldn't be your first choice to use for that reason.
1: Right. So. Yeah, that's more of um, if you've used them in all the useful ways, like transporting <laughs> troops no, and you've got half tracks it. left over, then you can start throwing them at some of these yeah. things to draw fire, um, cut off route paths now that's a great idea. Cutting off idea. route paths is a good way to do it. Yeah. If you can circle them around if you have got a turn where you can really take them around where yeah. they're out of harm's way and yep. get behind. Got some open terrain behind the yeah. uh, point you want to encircle. You're
0: not going to be too close to the enemy. Great thing to just swing them around. They're very very frustrating in that way. In fact I often am caught thinking well I don't want to really take out this half track but I know it's going to be a nuisance and I'll almost just Prep fire now at the darn thing. They have, be, have it be gone, rather than move to where I should move to a defensive, better defensive position or whatever, um, because that thing's there. And I know it's a little bit of a threat. Right. right? So, but it's kind of like a traveling house, right? It's plus it two. It is, yeah. It's really not a. Ba- so even going crew exposed, it's it's really. I wouldn't hesitate to go in a house, but interestingly enough, I kind of sometimes I hesitate to crew expose. I guess I have the option yeah. of being invulnerable. Which shouldn't matter. If you normally would just get in that house and fire from that position, then go ahead and crew expose and start firing away.
1: Right. And the other thing they're useful for is, um, you know, you abandon the vehicle and take the weapons. Yes. And they're actually, some of these half-tracks have very good weapons. Weapons. And again,
0: especially the Americans. I yeah. think A lot of them have mortars. Um, so really they're all... Lined up as the same kind of vehicle and then switching out the armaments to make them the different types a lot of the time. Right. Um, you absolutely pull out that machine gun and then move into that building. It's rare you get a chance to get back into the vehicle, but you can. So if you have to exit points to win, if yes. it's a longer scenario, you have, may have time to move in, unload, take the machine gun, fire away, long-range shots, break some of the enemy. Mm-hmm send in your other force and then reload those boys and take them on up in that half track very rapidly off to the side yeah
1: yeah in the scenario that we're playing the one the one problem I ran into was that the road was the road there was a burning wreck in the road I couldn't get my half track through I, I'm sort of I'm sort of. It's, locked up on that one well, side of the it'll, board it'll because, cost some, but because there's Bocage, which I can't go through. And I have a Bazooka right there. And there's a Bazooka there, plus there's a Burning Wreck in the road. Yeah, you can get through it, but it costs oh, I more okay. movement points. Oh, right. It costs yeah. a lot, and then
0: I know I have a Bazooka guy right there, too. Yeah. So he's very vulnerable. So you yeah. may want to pull back yeah. or save him for that last turn when you want to draw off a lot of enemy fire. You know, again, the last turn, desperation stuff, yeah. using all those vehicles that way would be really good.
1: So I'd say that's uh pretty good overview of the half-track.
0: Yeah, it's a pretty good overview. I'm sure yeah. we
1: missed some things, but
0: it's a good start. Yes. Chaz said he'll cover the rest in uh, issue 10. Yeah. He'll see if he can around. find any flaws. So I'm, I'm sure
1: he'll have a hard time. So... Uh, that's it for half tracks. And we're checking in in the chat room. Everybody's been chatting as They're we've been talking. talking a
0: lot about beginner, uh, helping a, a, a newbie come along with some tip, tips, like, of course, don't stack and all that, how to move from starter kit to a full ASL. Good job, guys. Push yeah. them along. And Dirk says go to Desperation Morale and get any cheat sheets. And those, I think, are some of the ones we looked at tonight. Yeah.
1: That's pick again. Right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We do appreciate a lot. you, every one of you. And thanks, everybody in the chat room, for sticking with us. That was really fun. And uh, we'll do this again next time. So in the meantime, roll low. And rally well. But, but not when, when you're, you're playing, playing us. us. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye. go